Books are a uniquely magical doorway beyond the things we know. Not only do they tell us that dragons exist, but they can be beaten and overcome. In today's charged atmosphere, books show us we're not alone. They help us understand our heartbreaks and joys. They connect us to others who feel and have felt the same. Books and reading allow us to live a thousand lives, sending us soaring into the world outside of ourselves, not to escape, but to survive. For it is often said that the greatest secrets seem to be found in the most unlikely places. Welcome to the podcast, Books Are Magical. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Books Are Magical podcast. Today, we have all three of us, the amazing trio, Annalisha, Hannah, and myself, Rachel. How are you ladies doing today? Doing lovely. Great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Hannah, I think you're the one who has our stats today for this awesome book, right? Yeah, so today we're going to cover Alchemy of a Blackbird by Claire McMillan. Annalisha um, was able to read this book, so she'll be taking us through uh, her review of it. But just to give a little background, uh, this is a new book that's coming out on, I just had the date, and immediately it disappeared on me. It's coming out on July 11th. Um, It's going to be 288 pages, so not super long. Um, It is a historical fiction book that's set in the 20th century. So just to give a little bit about the lot of the book, says, Desperate to escape the Nazis, painter Remedios Faro and her lover, poet Benjamin Perret, flee Paris for Via Erbel, a safe house for artists on the Riviera. Along with Max Ernst, Peggy Guggenheim, and others, the two anxiously wait for exit papers. As the months pass, Remedios begins to sense that the others don't see her as a fellow artist, They have cast her in the stifling role of a surrealist ideal, the beautiful innocent. She finds refuge in a mysterious bookshop where she stumbles into a world of occult learning and intensifies an esoteric practice in the tarot that helps her light the bright fire of her creative genius. When travel documents come through, Remedios and Benjamin flee to Mexico where she is reunited with friend and fellow painter Leonora Carrington. Together, the women tap into their creativity, seek their independence, and each find their true loves. But it is the tarot that enables them to access the transcendent that lies on the other side of consciousness to become the truest surrealist of all. So, Annalisha, I know you like some of the supernatural occult stuff. I didn't realize that's I what do. this book was about. Yeah. When I saw that this book um, was about the tarot, I snapped it up so fast. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to read this book. It was absolutely amazing. I'm shocked that Goodreads users have given an average of 3.92. I gave it five stars. I loved it. So yeah, so this book focuses on two surrealist artists, Remedios Veros and Leonora Carrington. And there's a bunch of other surrealist poets and writers and painters, but it really focuses on these two women and how they are struggling to kind of stake their own and stop being the muses of men, you know, who kind of use them as like, like as inspiration to create their own art. And I just really love this book because it's all about women helping women being there for each other. There's like this really cool scene where they go and visit Frida. Is it Kalo? It's K-A-H-L-O? Kalo? Kalo. 
Kahlo. And like they go to her house. And I remember um, taking a Hispanic American appreciation literature course in college. It was one of my favorite classes I ever took. And having to like read an autobiography or excuse me, a biography of hers. And um, just like getting to read about the house that she lived in. And it was just so cool. And that was only took like, it was like one chapter of the book, but that was really a highlight for me was getting to meet her, you know, a fictional version of her in book form. I also really learned a lot about mental health treatments in the World War II era. So basically, you know, mental health wards or institutions were not a great place for mentally ill people to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, They engaged in a lot of really barbaric styles of treatment. Those parts were kind of hard to read. So if you, if that might be a trigger for you, definitely either skip those chapters. There's only a couple in there that take place in uh, a mental ward, or maybe this book isn't for you, but I just wanted to put that trigger warning there for our audience. I also really loved learning more about these surrealists. These are people I'd you know read about, but it was really cool to see their personalities come to life. I was really angry. I became really angry at these men because just how they were treating Remedios. Like she is the one making them all this money. So she paints uh, forgeries because World War II, it was a hot time for forgeries because there was all this movement going. And so it was really, it was a lot harder for art dealers to identify what's a fake and, you know, what's authentic. And so she's bringing in like all this money for this group because none of them are like they're all too good to work. Like they don't want to engage in capitalism (laughs) and like, look, like it's totally cool. If you want to be a Marxist, like they're all Marxists. That's cool. No judgment here, but it's like, and then you want to talk down to Remedios while she's making these, you know, forgeries that are making y'all the money to put bread on your table. And it's just like, it makes me so mad. They're like, we're over here creating true art. Whereas Remedios is only good for, you know, mimicking someone else's art. And it just, I just really hated those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just really loved the chapters, especially in Mexico. They end up having to go to Mexico because Remedios Lovers is a Marxist and Mexico allowed Marxists in, whereas America at the time was like, no. So like everyone else is like chilling in New York City during the war. And then when the world, excuse me, when the world war is finally over, her lover wants to go back to Paris where he's from. And she's like, you know what? This isn't the right place for me. I'm finding my own identity in Mexico. And her and Leonora Carrington are two of the greatest painters to come out of that time that were producing in Mexico. Now they were not, of course, you know, Mexican artists, but um, Remedius was from Spain and Leonora was born to uh, like the English upper crust of society, but it was really kind of cool to see them creating and reading about Mexico city. I was like, Oh my gosh, I really need to go to Mexico city. It sounds so beautiful. <laughs> Any questions so far? Cause I haven't even gotten into the best part, which is about the tarot. I was just going to ask about the title. So Alchemy of a Blackbird, uh, where do you see that fitting in? Or are you going to get to that? Okay, I had it. Okay, this is a good time, I guess, for me to announce to our audience. (laughs) The reason why you haven't heard a lot from me is because, yay, I'm pregnant, which is awesome. Yay, go me. (laughs) But um, I've been diagnosed uh, yet again with hyperemesis gravidur. I can never pronounce the second part, but basically it's HG. It's the same condition that... Catherine, the princess of Wales went through with all of her pregnancies. It's like basically where you're constantly sick. And I remember making notes somewhere why it's called alchemy of a blackbird. I think it has something to do with the tarot deck. 
or she sees herself as a blackbird in one of her paintings or something. I can't quite recall, but it took me, I've been reading this book for about six weeks because my ability to focus has been greatly diminished. I love to read and reading gives me motion sickness right now. So I'm either audiobooking or, or watching TV right now. So I'm not really doing a lot of reading. So I guess it's a long way to say, I don't really remember why I'm sorry. And <laughs> that's okay. My brain is not top notch right now. Like I'm definitely operating like 25% capacity. I feel like right now. That That's okay. Cause you know, um, I just know from general knowledge of the theory and a theory of alchemy and the philosopher's stone and things like that. Alchemy was kind of about, you know, that ultimate goal of the philosopher's stone of turning mm-hmm. one substance one substance into another. So taking iron into gold or, you know, creating gold. So, you know, I kind of wondered, was there, was there a play on that? Like, were they trying to create something from nothing? Like, so I don't know. I just kind of was curious, like if that had a little bit of play on it in general, but Hey, you know what? I still, I'm super excited to hear about this book because I too am intrigued by tarot. I kind of use, use tarot as a way to unlock things in my brain to kind of understand myself. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. something, a tool my therapist actually recommended to me. Cool. Was when I have something that's in my brain and uh, I want an unbiased sort of perspective is to lay out a couple of cards and then kind of look at them as a way to kind of give myself some guidance. And honestly, it's been very useful because, you know, sometimes when I uh, don't know what to do, like I've gotten the guidance of patience, I've gotten, uh, you know, just various sorts of things. And it's, it's been a useful tool, even though I, I can't say that it's going to predict my future or anything, but I always find them fascinating. I really do. I think that's awesome. I've been very open um, in my, like, I definitely believe like ghost exists. Um, You know, I believe like if you find power in tarot, I say, go for it. I think, you know, we create our own meanings wherever we can in this life. And if that's through tarot or crystals or whatever means it is through prayer, I say, go for it. Whatever helps give you guidance. I think you know, reading about how the history of the tarot was so fascinating. And it was definitely one of uh, the favorite parts of this book. So I didn't know this, but so the most famous deck is called the Rider Waite tarot deck. And there's this point in time where we get a flashback to where these two people, they're both in an occult club in London. Uh, What was that book? London Seance Society. Remember that, Rachel, when we did an episode back in, I think it was April. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it reminded me, it gave me major London Seance Society vibes where um, these two people are coming together and seances are really kind of going, this is like towards the end of the Victorian era. And, you know, the occult and seances are kind of being to see, you know, that's the thing of the past. We're moving forward. You know, we're no longer in this Victorian era. We're, we're moving into, into the future. And so this guy comes to her, this artist, Pamela Coleman Smith, and basically offers her pennies of what it would be worth. But he says, look, I know you're an amazing artist and I'm going to give you full artistic license. And she does it. She takes less than what she knows it's worth because she's like, look, I'm really into tarot and I want to create the deck of decks. And that's what she does. And so now people are starting to call it the Smith deck 
or some people are calling it the Rider Waite Smith. And so it's really cool. You get these really cool chapters where she's like creating these cards and it is so neat. And my favorite part of this book is once the tarot is introduced, the beginning of each chapter, so it has the name of the POV, so which character you're getting a perspective from, which I really appreciate it. I love it when authors do that instead of just like throwing me in there and being like, wait, whose POV is this? Mm -hmm. And then it gives the tarot deck with the Smith Rider Waite image on it. Okay. And then it gives a description on how the card, that particular card is influencing or affecting the life of that POV of that person. Ooh, I like it that. was so cool. It was so neat. And I learned so much about these different cards and it made me want to like go find someone who does tarot readings and, you know, pay for one because Hang on. I think I have that deck. And I was like Googling cause I wanted to, you know, see these images in full color. They were so gorgeous. And there are like a million different tarot decks. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have yeah. the Rider deck. I'll bring it next time I come visit you. Awesome. I would love to look at it. Yeah. And I just, I'm just so glad that Pamela Coleman Smith is finally getting the recognition that she deserves. And so the most recent print of the deck supposedly has her name on it. It does. Oh, awesome. That is so great. I'm so glad that we see that Pamela Coleman Smith. Yeah. Right there on the box. That is too cool. I love that. I love that. She's finally getting the credit. It reminds me of when I learned in high school about the two guys who got the Nobel prize for the DNA sequencing or, Mm -hmm. you know, discovering Mm -hmm. DNA, but it was like a woman who provided all the framework for them to discover. And it was giving me major DNA vibes. And I was like, (laughs) damn it, this woman did everything. And like, yeah, you, you paid for it to be printed. Great. Yay. Go you. But like your, your name does not belong in this deck. It is a Smith deck in my humble opinion. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it with a Sharpie later. Yeah, we're going to cross out Ryder and just put Smith. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, even the, t- even the top says the Ryder weight deck. And then uh-huh. on the back and on the back is where it actually says her name of the Pamela Coleman Smith. So, oh, that yeah. is too cool. I love that. But I, I, I mean, she definitely gets the, the biggest name on the back of the box for, uh, nice. for her artistic designed by. So I read and I was doing a little bit of research because she knew she wasn't really going to become credited for her work. She knew that Arthur wasn't going to do the right thing. She puts her initials and her signature on every single card somewhere. And you have to look real hard. But you oh. can see like a P or a PS or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I need to like find copies of these cards and see if I can find it and see like where she hid her signature on all these cards. That's so cool. Sneaky. Yeah, very sneaky. I like it. I like it. Um, So that was definitely my favorite part was seeing how the tarot related to each person's point of view and each character. I thought it was so, so cool. It is very cool. I'm just curious. I mean, you talked about the mental ward and having mental health being a huge issue. Does that kind of tie into the occult things? Because that's something new or is that is that too much spoilers to talk about that? Um, not so much. So Leonora, like she's one. Um, so the novel opens up in Paris. It's before um, the Nazis have completely overrun France. Uh, mm. Parts of France have been taken over, but these people are kind of living in denial. Uh, the surrealists, 
they're very much living in their head and not noticing like, Hey, we probably should get out of town. It's not a good place to be right now. So they stay a little bit longer than they should. And Remedios and Leonora eventually come across this shop. They're the two main characters. And um, that's where they begin learning a little bit about the tarot. And then they're separated uh, Remedios and her lover, Benjamin Perret end up, you know, going to this, uh, Villa in Marseille. Is it Marseille? Marseille? Mm-hmm. Marseille? I don't know. Marseille? It's a French town. Marseille. And Leonora, at some point in the way, she has a complete mental break. Uh, mm-hmm. And because of the, I mean, just the horrors of World War II, how could you not? And so they, she gets sent off to this very, it's supposed to be like the most posh of posh um, mental words for the elite. And, you know, really seeing those chapters from her point of view and the, from the point of view of her ex nanny who goes to try to bring her home uh, mm. back to England. And I won't get too many spoilers because then they'll kind of, kind of spoil how they end up together in Mexico. But um, yeah, I think there was a little bit of the tarot behind it that maybe kind of brings them together in the end in Mexico and kind of solidifies their friendship. What I thought was super cool as I was learning about the Smith, Rider Waite Smith deck is I, then I went online. There are like a million different tarot decks out there. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, there's one with just rabbits. Like I'm obsessed with rabbits. And I'm like, <laughs> I kind of want that. <laughs> so I was going to ask you guys if you could have like a tarot deck, which is like any one element, whether it's like, what would it be? So I'll tell you the one that I kind of gravitate to, the one that I guess I use most frequently and that I keep on the bookshelf by my bed is a steampunk deck. It is the one that I feel most comfortable with just because like it, because it's the one that I use most frequently. It's like, it feels good in my hands. And I think if you're going to have tarot tarot cards, then you have to find some that speak to you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just pick up a box and just use them. Like I, I have the writer cards, but I really kind of, I like they're fine, but they don't feel right to me. Like when I, you know, use them, they just don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. My steampunk cards do. Uh, and I just like, when I'm trying to like, like I said, I don't use them to for anything other than understanding my own mind more. Like that's what I use them for. And that's why I use my steampunk deck. So my steampunk deck is my deck of choice, but awesome. I have several. <laughs> steampunk is so cool. I love steampunk. Yeah. And they're beautiful cards. They're beautiful. Oh, I bet. I bet. Have y'all ever read the Gail Carriger books? She wrote a YA. Okay. Cause you know, she's all about steampunk. And I, if you like steampunk and audience, if you like steampunk, check out the Gail Carriger book. She has a great YA series. Like it's called waste, waistcoats and weaponry and petticoats and pistols or something like that. And, and then she has an adult series. The first one is, I think, Soulless or Heartless. Soulless, Heart- that's it. Yeah, yes. Soulless is the first one, I think. And then there's like Heartless. And there's several in that series, too. There's like four or five in that one as well. Yeah, I've read both of those series. I love it. They're hilarious. And they're so good. And I love steampunk. So like I ate it up with a spoon. Mm-hmm. So Hannah, what deck would you go? Or like what deck would you design? Or am I putting you on the spot? I feel 
more called out because I know jack shit about tarot. Um, like I was the person <laughs> okay. who was brought up that you know anything occult is straight witchcraft and all that stuff. Like couldn't even read Harry Potter till I was eighteen, so I know very very little about it. Um, like I've never touched a Ouija board, never done tarot. I feel like I've seen either on Etsy or on TikTok sort of like a cottage core vibe type of tarot deck that I was like, ooh, that looks really nice. Like very naturey and um very wild and I liked it. If you were to ask me who designed it, I could not tell you. Um that's just the thing that keeps popping up in my brain. What if what but... if we did like a red wall themed tarot for you? <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, I love Redwall. Yes, yes, yes. Little like little creatures like that. <laughs> oh, I would take all my money. I don't know anything about it, but I would buy it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I wish we had all the time in the world because I would love to do a Redwall like buddy read with you guys <sighs> and like re- make episodes on those because those were my favorite books as a kid. I love those books. I really think in the spring we should read a, like at least the first one, and like you know we should yes. like do like. Our book club should be at least the first Red Wall book. We should like yes, oh, absolutely. Them. I I mean I was the one kid at my school who was in the library checking out the Red Wall books every single week, and I got made fun of because of like why are you reading about animals with swords? I'm like why aren't you reading about animals with swords? This is the coolest thing ever, and exactly. it took me so many years to find my people, but I'm so happy to finally know people who love Red Wall like I do. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, how could you not? Red Wall, Watership Down. I remember because I read Watership Down after because someone, I think the school librarian was like, you know, you like Red Wall. You should read Watership Down. And of course, Watership Down wrecked me. (laughs) (laughs) Why would they recommend that? Why would they do that to you? (laughs) It used to be like back in the day, um, it used to be like required reading in middle school in a lot of schools. Yeah, that was where the red fern grows, but like we don't do that trauma anymore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So our generation is so messed up now. We grew up on trauma books. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Parents are like, well, why are they so broken? It's like, oh, here's the, here was their reading list from elementary school. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I just thought it was so cool. I could really tell the author did a ton of research. Um, I don't know if she's always been into tarot or if, you know, she had an idea, hey, let me use tarot in this book and then let me write about it. I also, I feel like the author and I, Claire McMillan, could be like besties because we're also, we're both obsessed with Edith Wharton. Like I was looking at her Goodreads blurb and she was talking about Ellen Alinska, who's one of the main characters of The Age of Innocence. And I was like, girl, you and me, we need to hang out. We can talk about, um, <laughs> we can talk about Edith together. Um, I just, I just thought like she seemed like really a kindred spirit. Um, so I'm going to share a quote with y'all. One of my favorite quotes from the book, if that's okay. It's from the mm-hmm. beginning of the book where... Uh, Remedios is getting lessons in the tarot and from this uh, shop, this woman that owns a shop. Let me buy those for you, Leonora said, as reflexively generous as only those favored by fortune can be. Nanny knew about these things. She told me you should never buy tarot cards for yourself. You had someone who taught you about the tarot, Mademoiselle, asked the vendor. Only a very little bit, but she taught me that. But this is a very old superstition meant to keep women away from a source of knowing. Anyone who desires the knowledge of the tarot can buy a deck of cards for herself, can avail herself of that power. 
The seller turned to Remedios. Buy what you wish, mademoiselle. No need to wait for someone to give you what you need. You must acquire your tools for yourself. You are the agent of your destiny. And I feel like this quote really wraps up uh, kind of the entire book as these women are kind of fighting for their own self-identity and coming out underneath the shadows of their uh, much more famous fellow surrealist lovers. I really like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So I grew up in a family that was very, uh, or at least my mom and dad, they broke away from the church kind of when they were like 19 and 20. And so I was never, I guess, strictly structured into the church. So I was allowed to kind of make my own mind about things. So frequently growing up when I would go to Books a Million or Barnes and Noble or what have you, I'd find myself in um in, I guess, the new age section, because I was just very Mm -hmm. curious about it more than anything. I wanted to, I like, I wanted to know why was it new age? So Mm -hmm. I was always just very curious. So my parents, they, I wouldn't say they supported it, but they never frowned upon me, I guess, satisfying that curiosity, which is probably why I was able to explore it more. Again, it was just the curiosity and the knowledge uh, that I could and I, I, so I fully support it. And this book is really kind of speaking to me on that level. And I love that. And uh, like the quote, like, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's exactly why I bought my first deck too. It's just because, you know, I could. <laughs> well, it sounds like this book would be absolutely perfect for you. I, think so. I was like you, I was always um, running to the new age section. I think when I was like a preteen, I was like, Oh, this stuff is cool. I became super obsessed with astrology. My goal was I wanted to learn how to draw needle charts and I became really into it. And I was really into it for a long time. I- I'm not so much now. Cause I feel like I kind of scratched that itch. Now if someone was like, Oh, what's your star sign? I'd be able to tell you, like, I'd be able to tell you pretty much my whole chart. Cause I, I find that stuff cool. But I remember, I think I bought a cheap card. It was like a, a tarot set and it had a set of tarot cards. I have no idea where those are, but I remember yeah, learning about the cards and just being like, Oh, this stuff is really cool. And yeah, I think, I think the world is bigger than we can possibly understand or explain. And uh, I'm very superstitious. I'm also very religious. Like I'm Catholic and I'm very open about that. You know, I'm like really into the saints. I'm just someone who like, I'm really drawn to those types of energy Mm -hmm. energies in my life. Yeah. I think that's great. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say or any questions about this book or? No, but I definitely think I might be adding it to my TBR and grabbing it when it comes out, because since it sounds like it's right up my alley, um, I certainly think that I'm going to have to have a copy of it. Yes, it's absolutely in um, the, I was looking at the cover art. It's just stunning. It's going to be a beautiful book. And I do think I will be heading to my local Barnes and Noble next week and hopefully grabbing a copy in hardback because it be- it's a beautiful book. I really enjoyed it. Sounds amazing. I think I might be as well. I'll just walk across the street, head across the street and go grab me a copy as well. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Well, listeners, until next time, may your TBR be overflowing. May your reading adventures always take you to new horizons. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this journey and we'll see you on the next page. <laughs>